Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gamia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I hope that your heart is open today to hear an invitation from Jesus. This week, we continue a new sermon series entitled Lives Changed by Jesus, 10 stories from the New Testament of people whose lives were changed by a single common factor, encountering Jesus. Some sought him out, some were found by him. Some met him face to face, and some were told about him by others. Some were social elites, and others were outcasts. Some encounters were dramatic, some took place in ordinary circumstances, but they were all miraculous, lives changed by Jesus. In our message this week, Roxanne Lawler reflects on the story of the paralytic in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and the change that occurred in his life when his friends brought him to Jesus. you today. It is a delight to be here with you. Uh, thanks particularly to Mark Rader for running the whole start of that service. He got from the platform here all the way to the communion space. Well done. Show him some love in the chat if you appreciate that in the same way that I do. Uh, it is a thrill to be here. It is the long weekend. Happy for that. Uh, well done for getting up early as well uh, with the clocks going forward. Well, we are going to be uh, basically running through uh, Mark chapter 2, 1 to 12. So as Mark said, if you have a Bible there, that would be super helpful. Otherwise, that Bible app is awesome. So if you want to jump on that uh, to the events tab, I've already put some notes up there that might be helpful for you. So as we go through this passage, what I'm going to be doing is doing a little bit of a tour guide through the first part of this. Uh, We can't go anywhere. Do you remember those days when you used to go somewhere and you'd go on a tour and people would point out stuff? Uh, Well, we can't go anywhere, but we can explore the scriptures. Amen? So that is what we're going to be doing this morning. We're going to be tour guiding our way through Mark chapter 2. I've got a few different uh, things in the notes section there, and I'm going to be looking at what people see, like the people come to see Jesus, what Jesus sees, what the scribes see, what the crowd sees. And at the end, I'm going to ask you a question, which is where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in this story? So all good? Got your Bible? Hope so. If not, just relax. It's all good. Okay, so Mark chapter 2. A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum. I'm going to stop us right there and our first little uh, stop on the tour is this a few days later. Whenever you're reading your Bible, uh, it's always good to contextualise where you are. So if it says a few days later, it's good to kind of get an idea of what happened beforehand so you can understand what is happening in the passage you're reading. It's like uh, if you ever hear the, um, the words, therefore, in the Bible, you know, sometimes passages start with the words, therefore, brothers and sisters. It's good to find out what the therefore is therefore, right? So let me just give you a, a quick, uh, quick review of where we've got a few days later. So beforehand, Jesus had done amazing stuff. Mark's a fast gospel, the the starter gun goes off and Jesus is baptised, he calls the disciples together, he goes to Capernaum, he starts preaching in the temple, people are amazed because he preaches with authority, he's spreading the word of God, it's just incredible. Uh, While he's in Capernaum, uh, a guy comes who's demon possessed and Jesus casts his demon out, everyone sees it, they'll freak out, Um, they're like, what the heck? Word spread. So Jesus is trying to spread the word of God and and teach the word of God, but the word about Jesus is spreading everywhere. Then 
like the next minute he goes to Simon Peter's house, um, which must have been their headquarters, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Jesus heals her miraculously. Word spreads that night. Everybody, the whole town come, and they bring Jesus, the sick, the demon-possessed. They're all crowding outside the house, and Jesus heals them. Um, And so then Jesus says to all his disciples, right, lads, we're on tour. Off we go. We've got to get out of Capernaum because I've got this message to spread out. I've got to teach people about what it is that God is doing. I've got to preach the word. So off they go to the surrounding villages on a little bit of a little bit of a tour, and he goes around teaching, uh, driving out demons, healing people, etc. A guy comes with leprosy, and Jesus heals this guy with leprosy, and Jesus says, shh, don't tell anyone. Just go and present yourself to the temple. Don't tell anyone. Just keep it on the down low. The guy goes, nah, sorry, not doing that. Spreads the word further. It's chaos. Everybody wants to see Jesus, and that's my first point. They all wanted to see Jesus. So when we get to Mark chapter 2, a few days later, it's chaos. Um, He's in Capernaum and the people had heard that he had come home. Now, when we do this story, often we think, well, whose house is this? Like, you hear the story of the destruction of the roof and we think, what the heck? Um, But that's kind of important there, that he had come home. And scholars think that it was possibly Jesus, like Jesus' house. So it was either like Mary and Joseph, as in parents of, or more likely, they think it was probably Simon Peter's house, one of the disciples. So it was known to be Jesus HQ, right? The, the base of operations uh, for Jesus and the disciples in Capernaum. So it wasn't just a random um, house that we're talking about, it was home, which is why everyone knew it was there. And, um, and out they gather, and this time it's just insane. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to him, which is what he's been doing all the way through, just trying to spread the word about what God is doing. So these men come. So there's already a crowd at the house, and these extra crowd come, because we think it's often four, four guys with, with somebody who, who can't walk on carrying on a mattress, but it's actually an extra crowd come. And amongst that extra crowd are four guys who have one dude who's on a mattress, who can't walk. He's, he's a man who, who can't use his legs. We have no idea of his backstory. And, and I like to think that, you know, this poor guy missed his chance before when, in chapter one, when Jesus was at Capernaum, maybe because he couldn't walk, Uh, He couldn't get to the house when Jesus was last there. Uh, He couldn't move there. And so maybe he's he's absolutely desperate because he knows that that Jesus is healing people and he's casting out demons and he's healing mother-in-laws. I mean, who does that, right? So he's amazed and he wants to get there. And his mates are there and they've got like the four corners of his little uh, pallet and they're carrying him in. And I adore these guys. In my mind, in my imagination, I don't know about you, but in my imagination, these guys are like young adults or maybe late teens because of the audacity of them, right? The creativity. They're like coming into the house, they can't get in through the window, can't get in through the door, no room, no worries. Uh, So they go up the stairs, which would have been an external set of stairs, to a flat roof. And they're like, well, we'll just just go through the roof. We'll legitimately just make a skylight 
that's fine. And so what they do is they start digging, and, and the, the Greek word in that is actually to continue to dig. They continue to dig. They're desperate. And they, they, they tear through the roof, and the roof would have been beams of wood with, like, matting and rush caked in mud, right? Um, and they're just pulling it out. And um, sometimes we forget that the Bible story happens in the, the real world, and it's messy, and it's, and it's dirty, and it's smelly. Can you imagine what it would be like to be jam-packed into that little house with Jesus trying to love them by teaching them about what God is doing and like plaster falling all over them, like bits of mud and straw raining down on the crowd. Um, amazing. But that's how desperate these guys were and that's how desperate that man who couldn't walk was. He, they knew that there was one chance, one chance, and they were going to do anything in their power to get that guy in front of Jesus. Bless him, bless him. So Jesus sees something. They wanted to see Jesus. Well, Jesus sees their faith and he knows that they are desperate and he knows he's got the answer. Jesus knows that he can heal this guy. Jesus knows that he can heal this guy, but Jesus sees something else. Jesus sees the real problem. Because in, chapter, in verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about your imagination, but in my imagination, in this story, like that's the record scratch moment. That's the moment when everyone just kind of freezes and goes, uh, what? What, Jesus? I mean, read the room. These guys are desperate. This guy can't walk. Uh, they've come to you with a problem, and the problem is obviously that he can't walk. And what are you talking about? Your sins are forgiven. Because it just seems to be so far out of left field for us. You know, like you'd think that Jesus would go, okay, excellent, let's get up and walk. But he doesn't. He says, your sins are forgiven. Um, because the thing is, Jesus sees the real problem. Now, the sins are forgiven. That could be a bunch of things, right? It could be, well, you broke my roof or, you know, headquarters roof. That's okay. I forgive you. You know, one of my dads is a carpenter and the other one's a creator, so it's fine that you broke my roof. But it's not that, is it? It's more than that. And we know it's more than that because of the reaction of the scribes. It's not too far out of left field for the people in the story. It's kind of weird for us that Jesus says your sins are forgiven. But for people in the story, the, the prevailing wisdom was more that, you know what, if, if you're paralysed or you're a leper or you're demon-possessed, it's actually probably something that you did. It's probably because you're a sinner. And there was an understanding in the ancient world that the consequences of sin would kind of manifest themselves physically. It was kind of about your personal sin. And we know this because in John chapter 9, Jesus' own disciples have this attitude. In John chapter 9, the disciples see a man who is, is born blind and they can't fathom it. Because, you know, like obviously if you're, if you're blind, you're a sinner and you've done something wrong to be blind, but this man has been born blind. And so their thought process was probably something like, well, how did he sin? I mean, did he sin in utero? Maybe, maybe it was his parents. Maybe it's generational sin and that's why he's born blind. And so they asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? blind and Jesus totally blows that theory out of the water and says it's neither and goes on to say it's actually so that the glory of God can be revealed in this guy's life. But that idea that 
uh, you know, you're a sinner, so therefore you can't walk, was kind of in the water. But Jesus doesn't, he's, he already says that in John chapter 9. He says that's not the case. Um, so Jesus sees something different. So if it's not the roof and it's not personal, specific, you've done something wrong, so therefore you can't walk kind of sin, it's more like systemic sin. It's the sin that we all experience, the sin because we live in a fallen and broken world. And you know and I know that, that we live in a world that is not perfect, that people can't walk and people can't see and people can't hear and people hurt one another and hate one another. Um, we live in a world filled with sin. We are swimming in an oil slick of it and we cannot escape it. And it's this systemic sin that Jesus is referring to here. Let me, um, let, me, let me give you an example of that. And this is a story from a guy who was actually a local, uh, and it's a true story, so um, yeah, there you go. Um, a, a guy who lives locally to us here in the Sutherland Shire went on this massive overseas trip. Um, I think he went to Europe, and it was months, months that he was away. Uh, and he was having a hoot of a time, great time, backpacking, sights, etc. Um, but he took his mobile phone with him. And the whole time that he was trekking through Europe and mountains in Switzerland, his phone was doing all the things that phones do. Auto updates, background refreshing, emails, connecting here, pinging for, you know, location service. He was happily just using it. Um, and he didn't realise, he had no idea that the phone that he was using was still connected to his service provider back here in Australia. Um, and that whole time, he was racking up international like, roaming charges. And so finally, after having this great trip, he came home and, and opened his phone bill and found that he had a phone bill for over $10,000 because of all the international roaming that he had done. He wasn't aware of it. He didn't know it. He didn't realise it. He had no understanding that he was racking up a debt that was impossible for him to pay. There was something on his account that he, he didn't even realise that he was starting to owe. Yeah? Fortunately for our, for our friend in the Shire, he did have a friend who worked for the same telecommunications company who said, I will advocate for you. And, um, and so the friend actually managed to get his bill completely exonerated, to get, to get it wiped off his account. Um, what a great story, and I'm sure that friend was just so thankful and so joyful um, to have such an advocate. And so when Jesus says to this guy, son, your sins are forgiven, it's the same kind of language. Your sons are forgiven. Your debt is wiped clean. Your sin is as far away from you as the east is from the west. Because for Jesus, he sees the real problem. The man comes because he can't walk. But Jesus says, that's not your real problem, that you're paralysed. The real problem is you're paralysed by sin. The problem is that you can't stand up. The problem is that you can't stand before God because of the sin that you're in. The problem is not that you can't move. It's that you actually are dead in your sins and need to be made alive. That you are a sinner in need of a saviour. You are a slave who needs to be freed. So Jesus has a different diagnosis. And that's how Jesus sees this, in just stark living colour. Well, what did the scribes see? Well, the, the teachers of the law, I think it says. Um, the teachers of the law were, were scribes and they were people who would copy out uh, the scriptures and you would go to them for advice, you know, but like a lawyer, 
right? You want to know how to live. You want to know what to do. You go see these guys. These are the experts, the teachers in the law, and they know everything. And what did they see? Well, they saw blasphemy. That's what they saw. And they saw, they said, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. And they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what? They're right. They're 100% right. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can do that. And here's Jesus standing up and telling someone your sins are forgiven. And by Jesus saying your sins are forgiven, he is declaring himself to be in the place of God. And for the scribes, that was blasphemy. But for Jesus, it was reality. This is real for Jesus. Jesus says, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And Jesus sees something too. He sees their hearts. He sees the hearts of the lawyers. And he understands what it is they're thinking, even though they haven't even said it aloud. They saw blasphemy. Jesus sees their hearts and says this. He goes, well, okay, what's easier? Is it easier for me to say, pick up your mat and walk? Or is it easier for me to say, uh, your sins are forgiven? Which is easier? And that whole time I'm thinking, and you might be thinking, and they might be thinking, well, none of that is easy, Jesus. <laughs> none of those things are easy. I can't tell someone to stand up who, who can't walk. That's like cruel. And, and I can't tell someone they're forgiven when I'm not God. That's delusional. But for Jesus, it was not impossible. It was real and it was reality. And Jesus sees their hearts and he says this and he says it to the whole crowd. He says, but I want you to know, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Son of Man is a title that Jesus often used for himself. It's from the Old Testament, from the book of Daniel, and he's kind of taken that title and stuck it on as a name badge and said, this is me. I'm the one you've been waiting for, and I have authority on earth to forgive sins. None of these things are impossible for me, and I'm going to show you how I have authority to forgive sins by doing a sign and healing. And that's what he's been doing all through the gospel, spreading the word and proving he is who he is by healing people. So he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. The man gets up, took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Well, the crowd saw a miracle. They saw a miracle on two levels. These desperate people had brought their friend who was paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. But Jesus also forgave them because they were paralyzed by sin and death, and the crowd saw more than they expected to see that day. Well, my question for us is, what about you? We know what Jesus saw and we know what the crowd saw, but where do you see yourself? Because this story, this little interaction that Jesus has in Capernaum, it's kind of a picture of the whole gospel. It's kind of a picture of what the gospel's about. Because people in the gospel, in the, in the good news story, people are brought before Jesus and Jesus heals us and he forgives us. And Jesus is judged for that in the Gospels and even in today's life, but Jesus is vindicated and God is praised and we are set free. So where are you? Where do you see yourself? 
Maybe you're the, the man on the mat who had his life completely changed. Maybe, maybe you're the man on the mat. You're desperate and you've got something that is wrong with you. You've got a problem that you cannot overcome. You have something, you've got, you're paralysed by something. And it might not be your legs, obviously, but it might be something like your loneliness or your shame or your guilt or your background or your socioeconomic status. Anything, something that, that is stuck, that, that has spoken over your life, that has said that's who you are and you are paralysed in that. Maybe that's you. And maybe you've been brought in front of Jesus. And Jesus is going to say to you, I have a different diagnosis for you. You may think the problem is this, but I see it as this underneath. Because your problem is sin and it's not having a, a relationship with God. We've celebrated communion and, and we've forgiven. We've, we've asked God to forgive our sins and we have been confessing our sins before God. And we know that when we do that, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, maybe you're that guy. Maybe you're the man on the mat and this is your moment and you think, you know what? Yeah, I'm stuck and I need healing. And I am a sinner who needs to be saved. And maybe you're thinking, you know what? I am someone who is dead in my sins and I need to be made alive. I am someone who is lost and I need to be found. I am someone in the outer who wants to be on the inner. And let me tell you that Jesus has a word for you today. And he says he has authority on earth to forgive your sins. So if that's you and you identify with being the man on the mat, let me tell you that Jesus still changes lives today. He still calls people into friendship and fellowship with him. And he longs to do that for you. Perhaps if that's you, you might want to join an alpha course or uh, pop a little note in the, um, in the online platform, ask for prayer and say, I want to know more about Jesus because we would love to talk to you about him. Maybe you see yourself as someone different. Maybe you see yourself as one of the scribes. You know a lot about God. You know a lot about Jesus. But maybe you're thinking, gosh, you know what? COVID-19, the pandemic, this is or, or just life has punched a massive hole in my roof and there's rubble everywhere and I'm sort of stuck on to what I, I used to know but Jesus is out here doing a new thing in my life and he's challenging me and he's forgiving people I never thought he'd forgive and, and he's rattling your cage a little bit. Maybe uh, Jesus is moving you out of your comfortable space about what you thought you knew and moving into fresh fields of new growth. And maybe you, you see yourself as a little bit like one of those lawyers, teachers of the law, where you need to open yourself up to the new thing that God is doing. Let me tell you that Jesus has a word for you, and it says he has authority on earth. He has this. Jesus has this. He is in control, and you can trust him with the new. Maybe you might see yourself in this story as one of the friends one of the four who've got the mat, you know, and, and you have somebody that you long to bring before Jesus. You have a friend who's, who's maybe not paralysed, but they're, they're in sin, they're in shame, they're broken, they're hurting, they're on the outer, and you love them. And you know, you are desperate, you know that the only hope for them is Jesus. And sometimes we can feel like we're the only one pulling on that mat, that we're the only one ripping through the ceiling, to bring our loved one before Jesus. Well, I want to say to you that you can ask God and say, God, I'm going to bring my friend before you and I'm going to intercede with him in prayer 
I'm going to be praying for them daily. I'm going to be fasting for them. I am going to be, um, every time I think of them, Lord God, I'm going to lift them before you. And you can ask Jesus, send along some people that are going to surround that person so I'm not the only one pulling them before Jesus. I need three other people on the corners of that mattress. And you know what? There's times when I've thought I was the only person who was uh, giving their testimony or or witnessing to a friend of mine. Um, But God has actually opened my eyes to see that he surrounds people with believers, with Christians who love and pray for that person. It's one of the plan A principles that that we do this together. We're rowing together and we want to bring people together before Jesus and put them before Jesus and ask him to fix them and to heal them and to forgive them. So let me tell you a word for that. Jesus sees your faith. If you've got someone that you're praying on, Jesus sees your faith. And he wants you to say, keep praying, keep pressing in, keep dragging, keep digging through the roof. Because friend, there is no roof anymore. Jesus is not in the house. Jesus is in heaven and he's on the throne and he sees all. So continue to be faithful and love your friend. Love them into the kingdom. Maybe you're not any of those people. Maybe you're just hanging out in the house, just checking it out, sitting on top of a kitchen cupboard because there's no room, looking at Jesus, and that's okay. But wherever you find yourself in the story today, it's my prayer that your story might end the way that this story ends, that we will have a testimony to tell, that we will be healed and forgiven and made whole, and that it will amaze everyone, and that those around us will praise God that your story will end with God being praised and people saying, we have never seen anything like this. Church, pray for you and I pray that you will have a wonderful week. I'm going to ask Mark to come up in a minute, but continue to be faithful, continue to press in, continue to love him. Amen. Jesus has the power and the authority to heal, but he also has the authority and power to deal with our deepest need, forgiveness of sins. We can turn to Jesus because he has this authority. Before you go, don't forget you can join in the conversation raised by this podcast during the week by subscribing to The Big Three, a midweek podcast where Matt, Jess, and this week, Rox, sit down and unpack three big questions that were raised in the sermon. You can also download a discipleship menu for this sermon. The menus are a selection of activities that you can engage in on your own with a friend or even in a small group to put this message into practice in your life. You can find The Big Three wherever you listen to podcasts and our discipleship menus are on our website, gamiabaptist.org.au under the Next Steps and Growing tab. We are getting closer to reopening, both as a state and as a community of faith. We are still closed to the public this week, but we'll be announcing our roadmap to return this weekend. Keep an eye out on our social media platforms for more on that. You are, of course, more than welcome to join us online at 9.30 and 6 p.m. this Sunday at www.gbconline.org.au. Until next time, God bless.